And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post podcast on the 4th of July, where I get to play the game of can I drink a beer at the barbecue or is Kevin Durant actually going to get traded on the freaking 4th of July? Well, that's where we are. We await the KD trade and that it gives us time to soak in, to marinate in some of the other moves that happened on Friday afternoon that I did not have time to address because I went from TV to a red eye. I thought about doing a podcast on the red eye with whoever was next to me on the flight, see if I could rope them into a Rudy Gobert podcast. I sensed that that would be frowned upon by the FAA. So it's time. Every time Minnesota does something crazy, which is frequently, it's time to bring on the Minnesota Timberwolves whisper, the best in the business covering this team from the athletic, John Krasinski. Happy 4th of July, John. Thanks for putting on your nephew's video game headset and podcasting with me from your freaking family cabin. It feels like this has to be the way to do these things, Zach. I mean, you know, as we've talked before on this podcast ad nauseum, the Wolves are never a dull moment. There's always craziness going on. So why wouldn't there be this groundbreaking, super polarizing trade on 4th of July weekend where I forget my podcast mic and I have to use my nephew's video game headset to talk to you so you can hear the dulcet tones, the Fargo accent coming loud and clear for you here. Uh, let's do this. I'm so excited. Let's talk about it. I only wish that our founding fathers would have declared independence on like December or on like July 28th instead of July 4th so we could have this for our, our family weekend. But here we are. Let's just roll with it. I want the truth, Krasinski. You get you getting in on the video games at all? Um, I I observe because these kids these days with these games, it's not you got no it's shot. not tech mobile. You got no it's shot. not four. It's not four. You know, plays that you can pick, and then you have a chance. No, these are. I got like there's like twelve buttons on a controller. I, I'm overwhelmed. I'm just gonna sit back and watch. My nine year old would just run circles around me with this stuff. Yeah, you, you got no, no shot. I remember trying to do a finishing move in one of the fighting <laughs> games like six years ago. I don't even know where I was or what kids I was playing with, which sounds bad to say. I don't know what kids I was playing with. Relatives, friends of friends, I don't know. And it was like, it was diagrammed in the guide and it was like a nine yeah. button sequence. I'm like, by the time I do this, you're going to kick my guy in the face 15 times. And I'm going to be your dead. Heart, How am I supposed to do your this? Your heart is already torn from your body. It's crumpled on the floor. There's no chance. Yeah, a- absolutely no chance. Well, John, <laughs> we discussed, not you and I, but we on this podcast discussed uh, in, the, in the week leading up to this trade, the potentiality of the Timberwolves sniffing around rim-protecting centers, whether it was Clint Capella, I heard that was a little bit exaggerated, or the big kahuna, the stifle tower, the French rejection. And we talked it out. I talked it out with, with Pelton the day before this trade happened or two days before. I don't, I've lost all track of time. I talked it out with Bobby Marks the week before. And I said to myself, you know, it's really interesting. I kind of didn't see that as the place where the Wolves would take what might be their one big shot whether it's with the bundle of draft picks or with the cap space window they have coming up next summer before the ant big deal kicks in. And now that the cat supermax is kicked in, it's even more precious. I kind of thought, you know, I mentioned DeJounte Murray. They talked about DeJounte Murray uh, extensively with the Spurs. I think I kind of thought that would be the move that upgraded point guard because the D'Lo thing didn't appear to be working and do what I would call the JaVale McGee solution at center where you spend 
a fraction of the salary and no draft equity to get a 19-minute-a-game placeholder so that you don't rope yourself into playing cat full-time at the four. And when the going gets tough, when you need spacing, you go to cat at the five. I just thought that in between, maybe you get another, you can still have Nas Reed, so you get, you know, seven, eight more minutes of that. And all of a sudden, you've got Cat playing center, only 20 minutes a game if he wants to play the four. I didn't expect them to go all in on a rim protector like this. And John Krasinski, what I did not expect was, let me just take a second, four first round picks, three of which are unprotected. One of which is top five protected, which is nice. Not exactly um, like uh, protections akin to Will Smith's house in I Am Legend. Okay, just like a little bit of protection. The zombies are knocking. That That's like boards on the windows for the zombies in I Am Legend. Just rip them right off. Balma- Leandro Balmaro, who was the first round pick last year. Walker Kessler. That's his name, Walker right? Kessler, Walker Kessler, yes. I keep calling him <laughs> Kessler Edwards, which is a different player. <laughs> Walker Kessler, who was their first-round pick this year, in an unprotected pick swap in, I think, 2026, which you could argue is the equivalent, almost, of seven first-round picks for Rudy Gobert, whose usage rate in the playoffs is typically about 13%, who has not been able to hurt Reggie Jackson posting up in the playoffs when they switch onto him who is owed $47 million in the year of our basketball gods, 2026. I just need to pause because I don't, I'm still 72 hours later. My initial reaction was disbelief. My disbelief has not really subsided. I have no idea who the Timberwolves were negotiating against other than Utah's comfort keeping Rudy Gobert, which is a strong negotiating stance. I have had... Several front office executives ask me or tell me that they've been asked by their brethren on other teams. How did Utah get so many draft picks for Rudy Gobert? John, (laughs) look, I think that this trade is going to work in the regular season for reasons we can talk about. I think there's a pretty good chance that the Wolves are somewhere between the third and fifth seed next year in the West. Um, I just think, and I think the most likely outcome over the span of this trade is that it works well enough that it's not a disaster. Um, I think at the extremes, disaster is more likely than finals slash championship, which makes me very, very nervous about this trade. We can talk about the reasons why it could work in the regular season and all that. And also very importantly, why... I have framed this as the one shot the Wolves have to trade this kind of draft equity to remake their team. I I, I feel like that that may be a little unfair to the Wolves. There could be a second shot, a one and a half shots, but I I kind of will then counter that argument. But I want you to sit back 72 hours later. What's the feeling inside the organization? What's your take on this trade now that you've had three days to marinate on it? You've written two pieces on it and the second one got into the dynamics of the new owners, Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez, and how they've been pushing to really make a splash, whether it was Ben Simmons or now Gobert. I want you to elaborate on how influential they are. And just sort of like you, the state of Minnesota, the organization has had time to reflect now. What are those reflections like? 
Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, I, I still remember this is a thing, and, and you know this as much as anybody, Zach. This did not come out of thin air. Like, this was not one of those moves where it was like, what? They actually did it? Um, we knew that the Timberwolves were at least exploring Rudy Gobert for quite a while now. They, what I think what happened was after the Memphis series, they looked at a team that was super fun, that was young, that had this kind of basketball renaissance in Minneapolis and, and got, get, you know, got people back on board again. And they had a great time with it, but they looked at it and said, we squeezed every possible win out of that group. They were one of the healthiest teams in the league. Um, you, the, 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 we kind of had this scrambling defense that took a lot out of us, but I think that um, that that really kind of surprised other teams with how aggressive they were in that, but they couldn't sustain that over the long haul. Then they get into the Memphis series, and they're up double digits on these guys like seven times, it felt like, um, going into the fourth quarters. And every time in the fourth quarter, it was John Morant getting to the basket and either scoring or getting to the free throw line, and it was Brandon Clark just ransacking the offensive glass. And so they came out of that series, even before Tim Connolly was hired, they came out of that series saying, man, we got to get bigger. Like, that's, that's, the, that's the key here is we have to get real rim protection behind Cat and then figure out how to best utilize him. And so once Tim Connolly comes aboard, he very early in his regime is hearing kind of this rumblings about Utah and, hey, maybe they're looking to change things up and maybe the Gobert-Mitchell dynamic isn't the greatest. And, um, and, and so he starts to explore that. And then they go forward and it's back and forth for the, for the since starting in the draft and all the way through from Thursday into Friday before the deal is done. There were several people in the Wolves that were telling me Friday morning they didn't think it was going to get done. But they still at least... By the way, I, I heard I heard the same thing maybe Thursday. Again, all the days are blending in here. Thursday night, I think actually Friday morning. And, and so I kind of turned my alert level for it down. Mm-hmm. And then it became, which which kind of made it surprising again, yeah, right. which was kind of fun. Yeah, so so when it, when it finally happens, when it, it blows up out there, um, I was not surprised that it happened. But then I'm trying to, you know, text with my sources and fi- and figure out exactly what they gave up and the the pick compensation comes in to me and I look at it and I stare at it on my on my text phone on my on my text messages and I'm just like boy this is a big big uh package that they're sending out and so my immediate reaction as I was trying to kind of process this in real time and I think I've gotten to kind of a similar place um, now that we're 72 hours later is, I do think it was an overpay. I think that they 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 put too many picks in, and you, you look at all the players that they sent out as well. A lot of that had to do with the math to make it work. By, by the way, the, it does have to do with the math. Like, those players are, are not bad basketball players. Now, Beasley's got some issues. Mm-hmm. Beverly, you know, is, is the self-proclaimed leader of every team that he's on, but he gets traded all the time. But he's a good player. I just my flashbulb memory of the Pat Bev era in Minnesota will be him posting up John Morant and giving <laughs> the two small. little signs. Like, I didn't see Pat Bev post ups <laughs> becoming a like a play in that series. And Vanderbilt was it was you know like 
there were Dennis Rodman comparisons in Minnesota to Jared Vanderbilt like three months ago. Yeah. yeah, so there was good good players, and we can later we can go through the reasons for all of them if we want. But anyways, it so I think in in the aggregate, did they pay too much for Rudy Gobert? Yes, I do think that they did pay too much for Rudy Gobert. But in terms of the basketball fit. I am understanding of why they targeted Rudy Gobert in a major way because I do think that there is the potential for them to sort of zag while the rest of the league is zigging while uh, you know outside of Cleveland and a few other places and really become a very difficult team to handle. I you know talking to people there they believe that if this was the team that they sent into that series against Memphis it's not a question that they're in the second round. Um, the other part of it is that I think that some people outside of this market and this organization maybe have a little bit of a difficult time grasping how bad it has been here for how long it has been here. And so there, there is an immediate reaction right after a trade like this of, well, they're not going to win a title with this, and maybe they don't. But this is a team that has been outside of the first round of the playoffs one time in 33 years. One time. Like, that's it. That is the bar for success. And so... That makes me want to crack open my 4th of July <laughs> beer now. That's so depressing. It's, it's, it, it's like, incredible. I feel like I could be the GM of a team. Yes. And just spin a random wheel of all the players in the NBA yes. and build my roster that way and make the second round more than once in 33 A 100%, years. Zach. 100%. And not only that, Zach, not only has it been not in the playoffs, they haven't been like the Pacers when they've been out of the playoffs. They haven't been a team that's nibbled around the edges of the playoffs and been right in there. They're losing 50 games. They're losing 60 games. Jimmy Butler's bl- burning the team down. Gerson Rosas is getting fired for all the things Gerson Rosas Con! got in fight. Con! All of that. It's been dysfunction it has been looking your fans in the face and taking their money from them and then punching them in the face like that's kind of been the way that it is it wasn't very nice it was it was terrible so um so i do think that there was some part of it where they looked at and said here is a player that covers up so many of our drastic weaknesses not just covers them up but makes them completely undetectable like Rudy Gobert is a force of nature in the rim protection and rebounding standpoint, and that was where the two their their two weakest points from a defensive standpoint. And so um, I think that was it. They're like, let's just get back and be a team that has to be dealt with in the playoffs. And then when you get into the playoffs, if there's someone has an injury, if you get the right matchup, who knows? But this is a team that has never even had that chance, really to do that and they want Carl Anthony Towns to be in that kind of a situation. They believe that Anthony Edwards is ma- ready to make that leap. So they went into so from the basketball standpoint of it, I do get it and I do think I am a little more bullish on the possibilities of it being pretty darn successful and the Timberwolves unlocking more from Rudy Gobert than Utah was able to do, just like Rudy Gobert is going to be able to unlock more of what the Timberwolves are able to do so from so I think yes overpay but I also think basketball wise I really do think it can be something that's going to be super interesting and really effective uh on the court 
and maybe more in the regular season, but we'll see in the postseason. I just want to see them in the postseason two times in a row for the first time since 2004. That would be a start. It's funny you use the word bullish because the downside scenario is that they've become the bulls of the West in that they've locked themselves into this three- or four-year window where they're good but not good enough. And I, I should say that's the downside scenario. <clears throat> the pick equity is just outrageous. Um, the Brooklyn-Boston trade from 2013 was a landmark event when it happened because you just didn't see teams trading three first-round picks unprotected, whatever, ever. Now it seems like we see a trade like this every single year, and we can talk about why the valuation of first-round picks has swung from teams being too sort of pearl-clutching, hoarding of them, overvaluing them to, I think, in some cases, too aggressive and just like, who cares about our future? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? There's no downside. Are we going to be good the whole time that we have these trades out the door? They're all going to be in their 20s. Just Let's just ignore the fact that you know the James Harden trade turned into a disaster for Brooklyn and all these other things that have happened. Um, I, I, let's, let's go through before we get to the basketball fit, let's just, let's just sort of go through some of the thinking mm-hmm. here. Gobert is 10, nine years older than Anthony Edwards, which is one reason I don't like this trade for the wolves at, at surface level is that yes, they've cracked a window here, a three or four year window where they're going to be a really good team. I love their top nine. Mm-hmm. If you, if you think they're top four off the bench, are Jalen Noel, Slomo, Torian Prince, and Nas Reed probably, yeah. I guess, maybe, or, or, or you know, uh, Jordan McLaughlin, depending on how things go. I like their top nine. I think they're going to be a really good team. If it, if, if it doesn't work, this is sort of an anti-2013 Nets situation because Edwards is so young and Towns is in his prime that they're insulated from the disaster scenario that, the, that befell the Nets where you just go completely in the tank and your picks are unprotected and you're completely screwed. So they're insulated from that. Um, I just, it's a three or four year window with Gobert until he be, he's in his mid thirties. The Wolves, I think, seem optimistic that he's going to age well and maybe age better than most centers. I, I guess TBD on that. And maybe you're right. Maybe you're, it doesn't matter if in that three or four year window you make the finals or you're a top two or three team in the West. Maybe being good is good enough for this team. It's not good enough for me to trade this level of draft equity. Um, and I just think it's really interesting between this and the Murray trade and some other transactions, how loose teams are getting um, with their with their picks. Uh, talk, uh, what's the, talk about the ownership dynamic, because I don't have a relationship yet with Lori or A-Rod. Talk about that a little bit. Enlighten us on sort of why that is at play. Here. Yeah, I think that one of the big things that this trade signals, and it's the latest breadcrumb in a series of them, is that this is now essentially Mark Lori and Alex Rodriguez's team, certainly maybe as much as it as it is Glenn Taylor's team. And for those who aren't familiar, by the end of 2023 is when it's planned for Mark Lori and Alex Rodriguez, who right now are minority owners, are in the group but not driving the bus underneath Glenn Taylor. They're scheduled to take over the team and take over majority control from Glenn Taylor at the end of 2023. Um, but this team right now is operating as if Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez are already in control. They, they lured Tim Connolly away from Denver with a major offer 
kind of super aggressive, went after it. Mark Laurie in particular is has been since he landed in Minnesota a year ago or a little over a year ago, very analytically driven. He is big into win shares. He looks at player value that way. And so he has always been of the mind. Draft picks are not as valuable as proven it's a good t-shirt by the way that's a good t-shirt big into wind big shares. into wind shares i want to get that get that on a t-shirt start walking around town with he that should get that big into should wind get shares. that tattooed on his bicep but um uh but so but yeah so he um has kind of really tried to instill a an aggressive risk-taking mindset with the timberwolves and they are doing that now um this trade is is a risk and and absolutely, Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez were really behind it. Um, they were really supportive of it. And um, Glenn Taylor was as well because he's got like a year and a half left, and he wants to see the team win in that year and a half before he kind of rides off into the sunset. So right now, at least, Zach, right now, Tim Connolly has ownership backing. If this doesn't go well, we'll see what happens in a couple of years and see if there's some revisionist history. But uh, – Tim Connolly made the decision, and Chris Finch was was behind it as well, of, hey, we want a real big guy next to Cat, and we think that Towns can play the four. And Laurie was very much in on board with, yes, Rudy Gobert, look at those wind shares, look at the plus-minus, look at the, the way that he affects on-off, all of that stuff. That's what makes them very excited about you know what this possibly could be. So you mentioned before about the anxiety that the team had maxed out mm-hmm. what it was. And um, I have, se- have said and written before that the year after the year is really hard for teams. The The year after the breakout, expectations increase. Oftentimes the league catches up to you. If you sit on your laurels, you often end up taking a step back or staying in neutral. So I think that reasoning is correct. I just worry that this is a right reasoning, wrong guy, wrong time kind of trade. That said, let's talk about Gobert for a second. I I do think his defense is obviously all-time great. I also think the idea that his defense has fallen off in the playoffs has been wildly overstated and and not accurate. Um, Yes, the five-out offenses, Dallas, Clippers the year before, have mitigated his impact a little bit because it's just there isn't really a human other than maybe Draymond Green, Anthony Davis, or Giannis who can be in the corner and then be at the rim to block your shot when you drive. Now, it, the, re- the three names I just said are reasons why I would take those three guys over Rudy Gobert defensively, just on defense in a playoff series. But there aren't many guys, even given his sort of spatial, alleged spatial limitations, that I would take over Rudy Gobert in a playoff series because – I do think his defense has been mostly fine in the playoffs. I Against Chris Paul and the mid-range guys, I think the Jazz have been a little too slow bringing him up to the level of the screen and, and letting those guys just shoot mid-range jumpers over him. I think he can do that fine, though. I think if you ask him to step up a little higher, he can do that fine. He's not going to get blown by. He's one of the best isolation defenders in the league against guards. I think his playoff defense is fine. It's the offense that has been the problem. It's the fact that his number of shots goes down to a Jared Vanderbilt level. It's the fact that teams switch willy-nilly onto him, and the teams don't even throw him the ball 
because they have no faith in his ability to do anything with the ball, whether that's right or wrong. I think it's mostly right, somewhat wrong. He's shown for the French national team that he can do a little bit with the ball and draw lots of fouls. He's just an okay free throw shooter, though. I'm not sure that's really going to change in Minnesota with three high usage players around him. And and but I think defensively in the playoffs, it, he'll be fine. I, I let's go back to the trade itself. I and teams. I've been spitballing with front office guys in the last 72 hours about what is going on with these trades where the picks are just flying out the door. It used to be the glamour market teams, LA, LA, Miami were the ones that could get away with doing that because like the draft doesn't matter to us. We'll just get people to come here in free agency and and Brooklyn has tried to do the same model Um, or the, the actually one piece away teams like the bucks with Giannis and Middleton throwing out all the draft equity they could for Drew Holiday. The other kind of star deals were often low-risk deals like Toronto. People have revised the Raptors-Kawhi Leonard deal as if it was some big swing by Masai Ujiri. That was like the lowest-risk superstar trade in the history of the NBA. There was absolutely no risk to that trade for the Raptors. It obviously hit a home run. Uh, Oklahoma City getting Paul George, minimal risk for them. And now you have these teams who are like not one piece away from a tight like championship equity i think minnesota is gonna be really good i i don't know where they fall in the western the title hierarchy yet probably not high enough to justify this outlay of picks the hawks were like emphatically not one piece away throwing these things out and i think part of it in my my own thinking and in discussing it with front office people is the shorter contracts and the player empowerment era guys demanding trades pressuring their teams to make trades. The trickle-down effects of that are such that teams with star players like Cat feel pressure to open up a window right now. Even though there may not be a window in the house, we're going to like hammer one into the wall and open up right now. And another trickle-down effect that sort of drives decision-making in the same direction is the windows for every team are now shorter. So if we fork over all these draft picks to crack open this window now and it goes bust, we will either slowly or in one mega transaction be able to fleece some other team who's desperate two or three years from now because their window is short into recouping a lot of what we sent out. And I think when I get pushback from the Wolves about this is not our one shot. If this goes bust, we can trade Gobert. We could even do the nuclear option of trading Cat. And have all these draft picks coming back to us and end up where we started. Now, I actually don't really think that that's all the way accurate, but there is something to that, right? There is, absolutely. And here, like, let's just step back for one second and go even a little bigger picture. Like, you have Anthony Edwards here, this young guy that you really think can eventually be a, a star. Stud. I love yeah. Ant. I love everything about no, Ant. He's a no superstar. No one doesn't like Ant. It's impossible not to like him. Um, so I think that they want to establish some kind of standard for Anthony Edwards. They want him playing in playoff games as much as they can, and they want him to be competitive and they want to show him and they want to show Cat too, that, uh, look, this is an organization that is going to be competitive, that is going to be in the mix and is going to go for it. I think one of the things that has tarnished Cat as much as anything over the years is the first four years of his career 
or even five, I mean, you, even you, you include the Jimmy Butler thing, the way that it just blew up, it was such a, a, an incredible amount of losing and dysfunction and tumult and all of that. And Cat has taken the brunt of the criticism now for that. He's become the poster boy of that little era. And they want, and I, I think that's unfair, but that's another subject, but they want... Um, I think they want to establish some sort of level of competitiveness for their young guys and for Jade McDaniels and for all of, for for this core to grow up together. The other part of the player empowerment thing that you touched on is I was talking to some people within the organization about why and are you worried about paying Rudy all this money and all of these things and Here's the uh, one thing that has to be mentioned is Rudy Gobert spent the first nine seasons of his career in Utah, in Salt Lake City. He is very excited, from what I'm told, about coming to Minnesota. He's encouraged by it. He wants to be here. They, and by the way, sorry to interrupt yeah. you. He will hear all the noise yes. about how this yep. is a bad trade for the Wolves. He'll hear all of it, and he will come out very, very motivated to prove it. A hundred percent, he is great in the community, but also like they, you know, it was told to me like there are if you it, John, if they, I was told John, if we are going to go out and find an All Star level player to come to Minnesota that we think will not in a year or two be in danger of saying, I got to get out of here, send me somewhere else. Rudy Gobert is that guy. Let's just look at it again, too. With a, a pick package this robust, Zach, if you would, if they did go to Brooklyn and start to just dip their toe in the Kevin Durant waters. Um, but obviously they would have wanted a lot more, whether it's Ant or Cat or Jade McDaniels, all these things, plus all these picks. But even if they would have made a trade to bring Durant back here, obviously they would have been hugely better, maybe even in the championship hunt or whatever you want to talk about. But could you like reasonably expect that Durant would remain happy here and, and, and all in in Minnesota for the next four years? No, absolutely not. You couldn't bet on that. I think they feel more secure that Rudy Gobert is going to be the kind of guy that fits in this market with this team and they have that chance to really be good be good for three to four years this franchise has never been good for three to four years in a row and so they want to establish a baseline of competency that just has not been here almost ever in this franchise and I think that those were two big motivating factors for it. By the way, how Durant did not get a player option on the fourth year of his extension is just like why I, no one is talking about it because it's so far down the line. It's just I have no idea what happened there. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, just no idea. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. Shame on you, by the way. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement – Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, you can easily pick out something special to celebrate the both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts, gifts for grandma. You can find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung Smart TV. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. That's very soon. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for your mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. 
passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's talk about the on-court fit because, look, I do think this team is is going to be good um, and potentially really good in the regular season. I would say the only teams right now that I would predict win more regular season games than Minnesota, pending Durant, obviously, okay, whether it's Phoenix or wherever the hell he goes. I think the Clippers come in as the favorites maybe regular season-wise in the West. Denver Mm -hmm. is – I, I had a great offseason. I'm super high on their team. They're they're a wins machine. Probably the Warriors, I, I could see them taking their foot off the gas a little bit as they integrate the young guys. But let's just give them the defending champ halo effect. They're in the top three. That's it. Like I think and, and like one of those teams takes an injury, like Jaron Jackson Jr. Mm-hmm. from Memphis is already out four to six months. One of those teams takes an injury. Minnesota stays healthy. Who like top two or three is in play for this team. Um Although the West is just loaded, if the injury luck goes—if the injury luck goes the other way, you're seventh before you have, know what's hit you. Um, defensively, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, 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 what's the phrase I'm looking for? Smoke and mirrors. Yes. Smoke yes. and mirrors. The cat blitzing thing was smoke and mirrors, no and they had the length on the wing with McDaniel's and Edwards and the explosiveness to execute that kind of scheme pretty well. They recognized. correctly that playoff teams with playoff passing and playoff shooting are going to eviscerate that scheme and destroy it. And it's only going to get you so far smoke and mirrors. Gobert obviously corrects that you can even blitz with cat. If you want cats going to be guarding fours a lot. Now, some of those fours are standstill shooters. He's fine doing that. Some of those fours are going to be put into pick and roll to, to attack cat. Fine. Rudy's on the back line. If the center on the other team is just a bad non-threat, you can put Cat back on centers and have Rudy on those standstill fours and do it that way. They're def- defensively. Remember, this was a top ten offense in the NBA, number one after January first. Their defense is going to be really good. Gobert by himself is a top ten defense. Offensively, Cat is not wrong that he's probably the greatest shooting big man of all time. It's him or Dirk. So the spacing is going to be fine, just like it was with Jared Vanderbilt hanging around the rim all last season where Gobert likes to live. Um, I do think there are going to be some kinks to work out. Like, what what exactly is Cat doing when D'Lo and Gobert or Ant and Gobert are running pick and roll? Is he just going to be a floor spacer? Okay, that's fine. What exactly is Gobert doing when Cat's in the pick and roll or Cat's posting up? Um, do they have enough playmaking at all five positions, really, to kind of make hay when the spacing gets a little tight because teams are going to dare McDaniels to shoot. And I realize he shot well in the playoffs. We'll see if that sustains teams are going to even dare ant to shoot a little bit. His, his three has improved. We'll see if that sustains. Um, but I think that starting five is going to be really good. They'll figure some of that out. We'll even see some towns go bear pick and roll. 
and I think their bench is good enough. I and I think and I, you mentioned this in your article when you have four. I don't want to say four good offensive players because I'm not sure Delo's <laughs> Delo's fine. Yeah. Uh, he's a powerful offensive player in that he will influence the game whether it's for good or bad. Their ability to stagger two and two mm-hmm. or three and one. I, I think two and two is really is really good. And I'll give you an example. With slow-mo, who's a total non-shooter on the floor, I like the idea of slow-mo, Cat, Noel, with Cat at the five. And then on the flip side, Russell, Prince, Gobert, with Prince as a stretch four. And you can obviously put play Prince and slow-mo together and, like, play around with things. I think they have really – there's just a ready-made rotation there that is going to make sense offensively. All my questions are really about the playoffs. For sure, and and I'll say this too. One of the things that kind of motivated them to do a deal like this and put two bigs together in the front court is that Chris Finch has experience doing that. Uh, you know, he was in Denver when Nurkic and Jokic were there. He was in New Orleans when Cousins and Davis were there. Like he is a coach that is known to kind of just play with what he's dealt. And I think that they are confident in his creativity and his malleability from a scheme standpoint to make some of that work. I also think that there is some optimism that a Gobert-Russell pick-and-roll is will help D'Angelo a little bit more than a Russell Towns pick-and-roll because Towns is a pick-and-pop big. Gobert is a real roller. And that's uh, Russell and Nas Reed were really good in the pick-and-roll because Nas Reed could roll to the basket, and Russell would get these little pocket passes to him. Um, but Gobert can go up and catch lobs, and I think that will give D'Angelo a little bit more of a chance to be effective as an offensive player. And then on the defensive side of the ball – the um the the wolves feel like with McDaniel's and Edwards who they quietly believe can be a pretty decent on the ball perimeter defender there's there's no reason why he can't yep. and i think he made very big steps last year as an all on ball defender off ball's a little hazy mm-hmm. although his athleticism makes him really powerful in the passing lanes and he can dial that up to 11 mm-hmm. with Gobert behind him um, but I think he's made big gains already, and there's no reason Anthony Edwards can't become a good to very good wing defender. For sure, and so they believe that with those two guys um, there for Gobert, that some of the things that you saw from Utah falling off defensively in the playoffs were because of Donovan Mitchell, because of Bogdanovich, because of Conley, because of all these guys who could not defend on the perimeter, and so Gobert is like trying to cover the entire court. And they think that with McDaniels and Edwards, maybe Gobert will not be on the same kind of island that he was. And so you will not see as much of a drop-off from regular season to postseason as the Utah Jazz did. These are all theoretical things, of course, but they believe, and I think that there's a good argument, maybe this is the most purely talented roster that Gobert's been on from one through eight. Um and and so look, maybe look, that they helps. have a big they have a, a legit big 100%. three there are three all star caliber players yes. on this team yep. right now which is what you shoot for the reason why I called them Bulls West kind of jokingly was the Bulls have three mm-hmm. all star caliber players on their team I think that you know Ant hasn't made an all star team yet that's coming 
Both Gobert and Towns are better than Vucevic, probably by a lot. Both Gobert and Towns are better than DeRozan, even after DeRozan had this monster year last year. I think they're both just more impactful winning players than he is, and maybe better than Levine, too. Um, so I think that there that that is a, I'm being a little facetious uh, when I say that, and I think the part of the the reason the bet on Gobert is exactly what you just said. The wing defense is going to be better in Minnesota than it was in Utah. How powerfully does that compound what Gobert does? We'll see. I just think you know there's been a lot of talk in the wake of this trade about how okay the Twin Towers thing is back. Mm-hmm. Cleveland successful. Boston played Al Horford and Rob Williams a lot on their way to the finals. Um, and now Minnesota's doing this. You know, this is where the league is trending. Do you buy that? I don't know if it's trending that way, but I'll tell you, I, I like the idea of it because I just don't like homogeneity. I don't like uh, groupthink in, in, in the NBA circles. So I, I honestly am not sure if this is going to work or if it's going to fail or if it's going to be somewhere in between. But what I am going to enjoy about this experience and covering it is that it is different that we're going to see the Timberwolves try and do something and try and win games outside of conventional wisdom in the league right now it was a couple people that I talked to on the day of the trade were telling me like we're not gonna um out small ball Golden State you know we're not gonna outsmart Chris Paul and Phoenix and the way that they do things we're not going to outrun Memphis that way but they're going to be big and they're going to stay big. And I do think that it is they're going to try to enforce their will or impose their will on teams. And they're not going to bow to, um, to matchups. And so I want to see them follow through with that, though. It's easy to say that right now. Let's see what happens when the ball is ping-ponging around the, the, the perimeter and, and you're giving up open threes and it goes that way. But um, I think for it to work, Towns has to all he's got to be able to you know shoot threes which we know he can do but he's also got to be a little more efficient and better on those post-ups that come um either when he's the only big or when he is out there with Rudy and and Rudy has to they have to find a way to have it so Reggie Jackson cannot neutralize Rudy Gobert in those one-on-one matchups I don't know if they're gonna be able to do it but I do like the idea of it being an interesting and different team and trying to win in a different way because they're they don't have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. They're not gonna win that way. They don't have um, you know, John Morant as this overpowering physical point guard like that and, and just like dunking over Mike Malik Beasley and sending him to Pluto. Like they don't have that kind of a thing. They have different kind of elements together and so I, I want to see it out there on the court. I do want to see it, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to be refreshed by, hey, here's another way other than just five out, spread the floor, shoot threes. I think that's a good thing in the league for the league in general. You know, you mentioned Beasley getting dunked on. I do – I am angry that Tim Connolly has robbed us of a potential ant dunking on Gobert <laughs> moment. Oh, man. Um, uh, because that would be an all-time collision. I also think, as they round out the bench, the Wolves have to sign Wancho Don't to they? reunite the antagonists from Hustle. He's right they there. just have to do it. He is right they there. They have to do it. How can you wave Wancho in the wake of stardom? How do you... Like, you have a movie star on your team. How do they... I, 
they they got to sign Wancho. Wancho was really good in a hustle. I was like legitimately impressed. He cried uh, at one point. I don't know if they had the the little the little drips <laughs> to help him cry before the scene or what, but like he pulled it I'll off. I'll tell you this, Zach. Um, a, a little departure. When, so Wancho was in Minnesota when they were filming Hustle, and they um they they had if you remember before the uh, bubble or before the, the the pandemic season, they had that little mini camp in September that every that all the teams could have together to get to, to get ready as they're going. Wancho was not there for that, and because it was because he was filming Hustle with Adam Sandler, and at the time he doesn't show up and. Uh, we're all like, Wancho, where's Wancho Hernan Gomez? Why isn't he here? Like, the the season's gonna get going. They need to get they need to get their whole team together. And they're like, no, he's he's filming a movie. And we're like, come on, Wancho Hernan Gomez is filming a movie with Sandler, and that's reason to miss this. He's probably gonna be like a little extra where he's helping someone get uh you know uh, uh something off the top grocery shelf and puts it in the in the cart. And they're like, no, no, he's like he's a real actor in this movie and we're like come on no way and lo and behold here we are he's going to be practically up for an oscar the way that he he went for it hustle and he was also the one that got ant the part of kermit if i don't know if you heard that story either but like he was the one that lobbied with adam sandler hey you got to get anthony edwards in this he's going to be he's super charismatic he's fun and so adam sandler said yeah let's let's give it a shot and lo and behold there they are they got to reunite they have to it just it just they need bench guys they need bench guys. They're be- like they're. They, I don't know how many guys they have on the yep. roster, but they just traded five. They guys got a few for- spots. Yep, they got Bryn Forbes. Now they got a, they got a few other spots open. So why not go get him? Go get a go get a big and and put Bo Cruz and Kermit back together. And I mean that's it's impossible not to win that way. Um, on the Twin Towers thing, I buy it and and I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you look around the league, Denver. Small slash tweener for Aaron Gordon. Utah was always small slash tweener for Royce and Boyan. The Mavs went super small. The Clippers are going to play a ton of small ball. Uh, The Lakers, when they get pushed, play small with Davis at center. Phoenix had the tweener forward. Chicago plays DeRozan at the four. That's their best lineup. Um, uh, So I'm not sure the league is really trending. It's still an anomaly. but, But I will say, like, and we've been writing about this, like, dating to Grantland. Um the end game has always been skilled size. Teams go small because their big men are not skilled enough to play, make, pass, and shoot. The Bulls played DeRozan at the four because Derek Jones Jr. can't shoot, etc., etc. Uh, Jokic and Nurkic didn't work because Nurkic couldn't shoot, and it's just too bulky. On and on and on. Um, skilled size has been the end game. Towns is actually kind of the epitome of skilled size. That's what the unicorns were. And Mobley is mm-hmm. skilled size. Now, Mobley, Jared Allen, is there enough skilled size there? I think probably there is, given what Jer- Jared Allen showed as a post player last year. Um, Gobert Towns is going to be interesting because Gobert does, is not, quote-unquote, skilled in the way that I think that conception of the skilled stretch five um, screen assist uh, talks about screen assist. Huh? You're banned now. <laughs> yeah, I had to bring it up. If, if, I couldn't. You're bringing the, me on on Fourth of July. I'm I'm putting screen assists in your lap. <laughs> let me tell you. I don't know who's replacing Dave Benz. Which, by the way, have they announced who's replacing they have Dave not, Benz? No, no. 
they will have it better be it's got to be someone who's incredible because them moving on from Dave Benz shout out Dave Benz I'm gonna miss you I, I don't know where you've landed or if you're like I you and Jim Peterson were a big part of my life that is an inexplicable decision to me if that person and Jim Peterson start mentioning screen assists <laughs> at 50 percent of the rate that the Utah broadcast did I'm switching to the other broadcast from Minnesota games um so that skilled size was always the end game. And, and Gobert's thing was like, and this is what I keep coming back to. I love Rudy Gobert. I've voted him Defense Player of the Year multiple times. I've said he's a Hall of Famer. He is going to be a Hall of Famer. I've put him on my All-NBA team. Not this past year. I put Cat. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, like, I just want to be able to throw him the basketball. Right. I feel like if I'm paying you $45 billion and trading seven draft assets for you, I'd like to throw you the ball. And have faith that you're going to do something with it. That's that's all. And and so we'll kind of see what happens. But I, I agree with you that, like, I can't wait to watch them play. And I can't wait to watch them play against the Clippers. Because I can tell you this, or the Warriors, or whoever. They're, the teams that have the ability to do it are licking their chops. Not because they think the Wolves are, so, are like, easy prey for five-out basketball. But they want to see how it looks and they want to attack them and they want to test them and they think they can be successful. I can't wait to see it. It's going to be, I, I, it's going to be a lot of fun. Like I, I like I said, I, I don't know in the end how far that this can go. What, what is the ceiling on a team like this? But I know it's going to be remarkably different from anything that I've watched here forever and ever. It's also going to be competitive. I feel like I know that. They're going to be a good team, at least in the regular season. They're going to be um, some uh, a team that I think that people will be really intrigued by. And like I, I just back to where we started this podcast, like this is a an organization that has forever been able to be overlooked and been able to, you know, either be just like dismissed or be a punchline. And now they're they are like I, I wrote they're too big to ignore. Like they are going to be a big talented team that is going to be that is going to be a force in the regular season. And then I do think in the right matchups in the playoffs they can do some damage. Um, but all I want to see is it on the floor now. Like I'm going to spend the next three months twisting my brain in a pretzel trying to figure out how all of this is going to work. But I do just think it's one of those things. You have to see it on the floor, let it germinate, and then see what happens. Too big to ignore is an, is a pretty good slogan, actually, for like the 2022-2023 Wolves. It's much better than the Brooklyn Nets. It's not that bad here. <laughs> uh, uh, let's, let, let, let me just conclude by going back to the, the sort of asset play. Um, and the one shot thing and the idea that they could have another shot down the line if this one fails. Let's just talk it through for two minutes. If it if it blows if it doesn't work and you feel like you've got to get out of it, yes, you'll recoup some of the draft value somewhere along the line in a big trade or maybe a couple little trades. Like a broad like the Pacers just threw the white flag on Brogdon and said, We'll just take a first round pick. We don't care. Um, if it's a good pick or whatever. Um, here's and so there's some truth to it, but play it out. If it doesn't work, Gobert is not going to have a ton of trade value because of his contract and his age. So you're only recouping so much from that. You're never trading Ant. Right. It's just not going to happen. The guy's going to be the face of the franchise for as long as he's happy there. And so that leaves you with, well, who do you trade to recoup a lot of draft assets? Cat. Mm -hmm. And I hope it never comes to that. I think the Supermax was an absolute no-brainer for the Wolves. I said last week we were going to do a segment on TV 
what are the upsides and downsides of a super max for a cat? And I said, there are no downsides. Let's not do the segment. Right. Uh, it's all upside. Yeah. It's Minnesota. Yeah, like, you have of course to you do, do it. it. Yes. And you should. And do so, it. yeah, you'd get a bounty for cat. The, the, the issue is all the picks you've then traded are now better picks for the jazz. And the picks you've got coming in are from the team that now has Carl Anthony towns mm-hmm. and is probably loading up to win a lot of games. So those picks aren't that good. So it's it sounds like, oh, we're neutral. We're back where we started. You're not really. Um, and there are alternate versions of this where you come out further ahead. That said, I do think there is some truth to the short window theory of we can recoup some of this by fleecing another team down the line uh, if that's what it ends up at. So, look, you're not going to you're just not going to sell me on the trade. I think it's way too much, but I, I can't wait. To, I can't wait to see him play. I'm coming to Minnesota next season. John. Yes. Good. We'll have beers for sure. But like I will say this on, on that part of it, Zach. Yeah, you may not get back to neutral if this doesn't work and you have to blow it up and you have to recoup. But that's not what this should be about. It really, it should be about we believe that this is a way to go forward and we're going big with it. And there is risk involved in something like this. That's naturally going to be the case. But um, if you're kind of if you're stepping into any deal like this and you're saying, well, if anything, we can just bail out and we'll be back at where we where we left it in four years. That's not going to be it. Like they you have to be all in on something like this to believe in it and that's that's where they are right now. Yes, they have some built-in safety nets that they can ex- that they can jump into if it doesn't work, but it they may have to take a few steps back. Just ask you know, the Wolves do not have to go very far back in history to think when did we part with a pick that was only lightly protected that we figured, oh, that's not going to be a problem. We have D'Angelo Russell and we have Carl Anthony Towns. That pick's going to be well outside the lottery. And then, whoops. whoops, what happened? So that that's the kind of thing that does happen regularly. But I will say, finally, kind of they could have had, given what we know that they were able to give up for Rudy Gobert, they could have gone after DeJounte Murray with that package and probably outbid Atlanta and got him. They did not do that because they believed that Rudy Gobert was a better fit. That was the one that they really wanted to, to, to go after. I, I think Tim Connolly is a smart guy. I think Chris Finch is a smart guy. I think they'll figure all of that out. You cannot argue. Let's, let's, you cannot argue what you just said yeah. about Tim Connolly and Chris Finch. And I've, this has been one of the principles of the way I talk about the NBA. Nobody is stupid. Right. Fans always like this guy's a moron, that guy's a moron. What Tim Connolly did in Denver was it on its face extraordinary. The guy's a really good GM. Chris Finch is an offensive guru. If you don't like a trade, it doesn't mean that the people right. behind it are suddenly not good at their jobs. Those guys are incredibly good at their jobs. And I'm glad you said that. Yep. Yeah. So I think there does have to be an element of recognizing that, and then just giving them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. If it doesn't work, we'll rake them over the coals, and it'll and, and that'll you know we'll we'll, revit, we'll we'll revise it and look at it in a couple of years, and we'll see. But right now, I do see I see the logic. Even if they paid too much, I see how this can end up working very well for the Wolves. And we look back on it in a few years. Maybe they don't win a championship, but if, if they get back to a team that is can win series in the playoffs and establish a winning culture for Anthony Edwards, 
maybe that's all worth it. Maybe that's maybe that's what it's going to be. John Krasinski, your work out there is sensational. Enjoy the 4th of July. I'll see you next season. And now we're going to bring on ESPN's Tim Bontemps to talk more about Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Kevin Durant. Lots of stuff, John. Enjoy the 4th. Maybe vent, maybe play some video games. Give it a give it a shot, John. I think I might give it a shot. If the wolves, if the if Adam Sandler can believe in Bo Cruz and the wolves can believe in Rudy Gobert, I believe in you to beat your nephew in a video game once. That's all I need. I'm gonna crack a beer and do that, and then because because my you can't have the beer maybe right now with with what Kevin Durant may or may not happen. I can have it. The wolves are done. Like uh, I'm all done with it. I'm gonna tip them back and see what happens here. So I'm gonna have fun with it. John Krasinski, everyone. Thank you, sir. Thank you. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay? Full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. And with a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. That's onepeloton.com. I went. All right, let's welcome in ESPN's Tim Bontemps to talk, I don't know, about a lot of stuff that's going on. Happy 4th of July, Tim. Thanks, man. Nothing's happened in the NBA the past few days, so I don't know how we're going to get through a while here on the pod. Woo! Okay, I just talked to John Krasinski about uh, the Rudy Gobert trade that I'm still... I still wake up in night sweats three days later being like, how many picks? What what happened? Um, uh, and in fact, I think... In, in a what I hope is a nice transition, I think it's – I don't know if it's affecting the Kevin Durant trade landscape. I actually don't think it is. I do think it's warped expectations beyond reality because it just happened. So it's in everyone's head that they just traded five to seven, depending on how you want to characterize it, draft assets for Rudy Gobert. So how much is Kevin Durant at age 34 – on a four-year locked-in contract, still arguably the best or second-best player in the league. How much is he going to get? 12 first-round picks, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, I, I, I do, on the one hand, that's all just sort of dumb recency bias. Um, you can't really look at a, an outlier trade and expect every trade to then follow from that trade. On the other hand, I was talking to an agent last night who was like, I think part of the reason this Durant thing might take a long time is it's he he used the word impossible. It's an impossible trade to make for Brooklyn because the closest thing is Anthony Davis getting traded from the Pelicans, which I remember writing at the time could be the most important trade in the NBA since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar got traded from the from Milwaukee to to Los Angeles. Yeah, I remember your piece. Uh, and and the and the trade out the outlay was the what the Pelicans got 
reflected that. They got a, a shit ton for um for AD. Here it's like AD wanted out. There was a ticking it was a ticking time bomb for New Orleans. Here it's like four years locked in, not even a player option. This guy is thirty four years old. He makes your team potentially a championship contender instantly, although he didn't do that with the broken, busted, crazy Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> um um and he used the word impossible, which and that's why we're seeing all these like is the Phoenix package good enough? You know, even if it's Aiton, Bridges, four firsts, three swaps, the everything they can throw in, is that good enough? F- setting aside the hard cap and base year compensation and all the stuff that makes my brain explode, is it good enough? And if it's not, is it a three-team trade? Is it a four-team trade? What's Kyrie Irving going to do? Um, I sense that this might take a while. Having said that, now that I said that, it's going to happen in like an hour. But I, I, Woj said last night, no traction hinted that they could just hold on to them and not trade them. And and so maybe we got to buckle up here, Tim. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot to get into there. All, uh, t- since you talked about it with John, I won't say much about the actual Gobert trade. Other than that, I am genuinely fascinated to watch this team play. And I'm really, really curious to see what it looks like. I think they have a chance to win an absolute ton of regular season games in particular. And I think they got a chance to be a really good team. So I think that's going to be fun. And it's always cool to see a team – go all in and try something, especially when it's different than what people um, typically are. So I'm curious, very fun, going to be very fun to see how that goes. And as for the Durant situation, I think you really hit the nail on the head in that, you know, in talking to people around the league over the past couple of days since the initial wave and everything kind of settled down, really after the, you know, the Rudy trade, and we're going to talk about Malcolm Brogdon in a bit. Those were the two big moves that really happened on Friday kind of the first full day of free agency. And I, I think once we got through that initial wave, now everything is going to really just sort of settle down and wait to see how exactly this Kevin Durant situation plays out. And the sense that, you know, Adrian reported last night is the same one that I've been getting from people, which is that, as you laid out, it's really hard to trade Kevin Durant just in a vacuum, right? You're, you're trading one of the 10 or 12 or 15 best players of all time, even if everybody agrees it's something they want to do. It's not an easy thing to pull the trigger on. That's especially the case when he's got four years left on his contract. And, yeah, it it does seem like this could take a very healthy amount of time. And I'm also very curious to see what the ultimate outcome is because there isn't a – sure, like, impossible is a good word for it because you it's impossible to get proper value back for Kevin Durant. So it's a matter of coming to grips with whatever the actual value you're going to get is, and that's not an easy thing to do. Let, we, we all know the teams by now, and there are going to be more teams that jump into the fray. So we don't need to go through the fake Durant packages and all this. Let's just rapid fire through some of the issues, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, Boston, which we're going to talk about, is already so loaded and just made the finals – that if you ask, this is just me speculating. If you ask me, are they going to trade Jalen Brown and a whole bunch of stuff for Kevin Durant? I would lean no. Okay, maybe that changes. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. That would also be my. They, that would also be my lean. Could they get involved somehow as a fourth or fifth team? Maybe, and then my brain hurts. <laughs> um, Marcus Thompson of the Athletic wrote a piece last night about Golden State, and Mark after Mark Spears, our, our Mark Spears of Anscape. Uh, reported that the Warriors had expressed interest because, again, it's Kevin Durant. You express interest. They they know what that looks like. They won two championships with it. They would basically automatically be the favorites as long as all those guys are healthy. You have to look at it. And, and he even reported that they've had – the players have talked about it and are cool with it. 
My thing is, if I'm Durant, and this is a legacy play for me, just like going to Brooklyn was a legacy play for me, I can't go back to that team. I can't go. All Charles Barkley's going to do is yell at me about riding the, getting back on the bus. I got off the bus in New York. I took the Greyhound all the way back across the country. Got back on. I can't do that. <laughs> it seems so I'm like just assuming. Yeah, it seems like the only two places you could 100% rule out the off the board for me in terms of where this ultimately winds up um, are the Knicks and the Warriors. And that's not denigrating Mark's reporting or Marx's reporting. I'm sure, like you said, every team is talking about it. It just, like you said, if if he ends up back on the Warriors, that would be a that would be an internet meltdown By the way, event. So we should all be rooting against that just for the sake of drama. Um, and, <laughs> and, uh, and also like if he goes to a Western conference team like Phoenix or new Orleans or Memphis, or you can list all the realistic ones. I want to see him face the warriors. That's what I want to see. That would be the most entertaining possible sort of outcome. Face them in the playoffs. Right. Um, Miami's on the proverbial list. Uh, uh, the issue there is, is bam and not just bam, the rookie designated player thing that now everybody knows it's that. If I'm Durant, I want to play with Bam. I want to play with Bam as much as anyone that's on that roster because he's young. He helps me on defense. He's a perfect he, – he, I, like, I want to play with him. So that's going to be interesting how they pull – if because I don't know if they have enough. I don't think – Just hero Robinson picks yeah. is not is not getting it I, done. I've thought kind of from the beginning that, that it would be hard for them to get in the game for just that reason. They just don't have as much to offer as these other teams in a trade. New Orleans, Zion's now off the board because of the extension that's agreed upon – they're the team where, like, I'm trying to get on the list. Brandon Ingram's awesome. I love Brandon Ingram. Wrote a big profile of him two years ago. Huge fan. I'm all, if I can get Durant plus Zion plus CJ plus whatever, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I don't I, – if I got to throw in six picks, I'm, that's the one that I'm going all in for. Um, and then Toronto, obviously, Woj described them as lurking. I, I think I, I, I maybe – kind of was the first voice to mention the Scotty Barnes would be my first phone call a couple weeks ago when I had Bobby Marks on the pod, on the pod. Let me be let me be honest. I don't know if Toronto is going to put or would put Scotty Barnes into Kevin Durant trade talks. I just don't know and, th- and that's not me saying I'm skeptical. That's me saying I've done the reporting that I've tried to do and I just don't know the answer. Like I I don't I I legit don't know it is an unknown to me. That makes me assume that in the end they would not, but that's just me assuming. I legitimately just don't know. And I've talked, and I've so, asked that question executives around the league for sort of the same reason, right? And and it's sort of split. Like you know, I, I people are not people on other teams aren't sure if they would do it, and I think you know that would be a long conversation for Toronto to have. I mean, Scotty looks like he could be really, really good, and there's a 14 year or 13 year age gap. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to process there. People who act like that's a no-brainer, like, it's Kevin Durant. Of course you do it. It's it's never – I don't know how many of these trades we have to watch backfire for you to understand that when you're talking about – like, Brandon Ingram, to me, is a no-brainer because he's 24, 25 years old, and I, I, I just – I don't think Brandon Ingram is going to be a 10-time All-Star in the NBA. I think he'll be, like, a three-time All-Star sure. in the NBA. Scotty Barnes is 20, I think, and is a com- – like a very unusual player in a, in a way that makes me optimistic about his trajectory, just his combination of skills. And they're just scratching the surface of what he's going to be able to do. He could be an eight to 10 time all-star. Now, if I can do it just for him and Gary Trent and picks. And so I, I have all my other stuff left over. 
that's one thing. I don't even think that's a no-brainer. If I got to throw in other stuff, like if I got to throw in Ananobi and so the cupboard gets a little emptier, like it's just not It's just not a no-brainer. It's not. If you think Scotty Barnes is a 10-time All-Star or a 7-time All-Star, it's just never a no-brainer to trade those guys for people who are 34 years old and have injuries. It's just not. I know it sounds like it is. We all get excited about this thing, this all-time great player. And Kevin Durant is an all-time great player. I have Kevin Durant higher on my all-time list than probably most people do. I still – I like, we, that's a discussion for another day. Right. It's just not a no-brainer. No, I mean, listen, I've written about this a couple – I've talked about it on TV. I wrote about it on Friday, but – I think a good comparison here is when Shaquille O'Neal got traded to the Heat in 2004. And when the Lakers called, their first call was about a certain dynamic rookie guard named Dwayne Wade and who had just come off having a great rookie season. And they said, hey, if we trade you Shaq, we want Dwayne Wade. The Heat said no and hung up the phone. Now, at the time, Shaq was way better than Dwayne Wade at that point. But the Heat were like, this guy's got a chance to be a big-time player for a really long time. We can't do that. They ended up settling on a package centered around Lamar Odom, who they also really liked and spent years trying to get, but he was not Dwayne Wade. And I think when you go through these trade scenarios and you look at it, that's what to, that's sort of how this negotiation is probably going to play out. Teams are going to call, you know, the Nets are going to call and say, hey, we would like, you know, I know we just extended, but we would like Devin Booker. We would like, you know, Zion Williamson. We would like Anthony Edwards. We'd like your number one guy. These teams are going to say, no, we're not going to do that. And then it sort of goes down to the second guy. That, you know, because it isn't easy to just, like you said, it isn't a no-brainer to just trade a guy who could make the All-Star game 10 times. And given how Scotty's already exceeded his initial expectations and with all the tools he has, he's got a chance to be a really special player. The Raptors love him, and it's it's just not that simple. Let's end the KD talk there just in case this blows up in our face and he gets traded today and move on to other talk. Um, and this is not a totally disconnected subject, but let's talk about Donovan Mitchell, um, who, you know, Woj and Tony Jones of The Athletic, who's, who knows that jazz team as well as anyone, <clears throat> both tweeted, reported Friday, I don't know, some day that happened where the sun came up Friday. and went down, Friday. Um, that the jazz are planning to retool around Donovan Mitchell and not trade Donovan Mitchell, um, which... I believe that I believe that reporting. Um, I that's that's today. That's right now on July fourth. Here is the Utah Jazz roster right now. Starting five, ready? Yep. Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, question mark, Boyan Bogdanovich, question mark. Okay, cool. Let's pencil in Malik Beasley as answer to question mark number one. We'll see if he's even on the team in a week. Let's pencil in, I don't know, Jared Vanderbilt as the starting center, even though he's a four size-wise and not uh, as a Buki. Who right now it would probably be him or Walker Kessler, the rookie they got from Minnesota in the trade, I would guess. Or, or him. Okay, fine. Their bench is Jordan Clarkson, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And by the way, if there were a warning sign that stuff was coming, and we all been, we've been talking about the Jazz stuff is coming for a year before the season, we all talked about it. I anointed them. This is the team with the most pressure on them in the NBA mm-hmm. because of all this. So none of this is new. But Ingles for Alexander Walker, a guy who was not going to get in the rotation this year, was a warning bell to me that they had sort of started looking more toward the future because I thought they would trade Ingles for someone who could help their team in the playoffs this past season, and they did not. So Clarkson, Alexander Walker, Rudy Gay – Remember when Rudy Gay was going to save the Jazz? 
Uh, Jared Butler, the kid they drafted uh, two drafts ago. As Ibuki, I mentioned. Pat Bev, we'll see if he's on the team. Bomaro, Walker Kessler. I mean, we're going to retool around Donovan Mitchell. You better start soon because here are the teams that are definitely better than Utah on paper right now. Let's count them out, Tim, shall we? I mean, I'm pretty sure you're going to get to 10. In no particular order, Denver, Clippers, Warriors, Wolves, Mavs, that's five. Suns pending Durant. Lakers pending everything, including Kyrie. I mean, I would still put the Lakers ahead of them right now regardless. Okay, let's be optimistic about the Lakers, but they could be leaps I mean, and they bounds st- they still have ahead Anth- of them. Sure, they still have Anthony Davis and LeBron. I would put them ahead of the Jazz right now. And I like what the Lakers did, by the way, in the offseason. Da- I'm a big Damian Jones fan as a backup five. JTA is a playmaker. Troy Brown Jr. is fine. Lonnie Walker, I think, is a smart signing for them. He's young, and they paid him enough money that they have at least have a chance to re-sign him after a one-year deal, which they did not have with Malik Monk. So that's seven. Pelicans, for sure, is eight. Memphis is nine. And again, no particular order, Grizzlies fans. No particular order. They're just I just wrote them down in this order. Portland is 10. Like, I just don't think the Jazz as constituted right now are even on paper in the play-in. Now, obviously, people are going to get injured. Maybe they strike a good trade here and there. Um, you like if you told me Sack is better than them, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked. Like Mike Conley's declining, Bogdanovich is getting older. Like I just don't think this team is good around Donovan Mitchell, and maybe they really do believe in this. Like we need an All Star thing because the games in Utah and everyone wishes every All Star game were either in Miami, New Orleans, or Los <laughs> Angeles. Uh, but let's, maybe they actually believe that. This is my long way of saying. It's cool today to say we're retooling around Donovan Mitchell. It's even cool to say we're not going to rush it. We just got this huge bucket of assets for Rudy Gobert. We're going to see what plays out in a year, a year and a half. Who's the next disgruntled star? We're well positioned to get that player. I just, okay, it doesn't pass this. I I don't know. If you're you're asking me what team is Donovan Mitchell on next, this 2023-24 season, not this coming season, the one after that. Gun to my head, I'm betting it's not Utah. Yeah, I mean, I think the simple way to look at this, Zach, is that the Jazz have to go one of two directions. They either have to use those picks to retool the roster around Donovan, like you said, in the pretty near future, or you start to wonder if they're going to go the other way because the current situation they're in is untenable, right? Like, it's just not – that. that's not a path that you're going to be on um, – and expect to have him around long-term. He's got three years left on his deal um, and going into this season. And like you said, it's pretty clear this team is not, at best, it's a borderline playing team right now. That's the best And they're case. not done trading, by the way. They're, gonna, they're, I, they're still looking around at trades, and maybe some of those trades are for more picks, and that hurts your team, their, your present-day team even right. more. Right, well, that's what I mean. It's like they're either gonna, they clearly have to make more moves. It's just what kind of moves are they going to make? Are they going to try to make more moves to strengthen the current team and reshape it, or are they going to make moves to go the other way? I think just what they what they have left is it, like you have to give their offseason an incomplete, right? Because this is this Rudy Gobert move is not the only move you make. Like it's a move you make to go one of two directions, and you know they're two wildly different directions to put it mildly. And not only that, like. Expecting this team to succeed is not just about the 10 teams I just listed ahead of them. It's about you just changed your coach 
and you just ch- traded a player who was a bedrock of your identity on both ends of the floor. Yeah, Mitchell is still there, Conley, Bogdanovich. You have to rebuild your identity, not quite from scratch, on both ends of the floor. I would like, say, they have a t- I would say from scratch. Like this team was built- I don't think it's from scratch just because I think Mitchell's a top 20 player and that's like that's an offensive identity on its own, True. but it's close to scratch. I mean, look, this team was built around Rudy Gobert's skill sets, right? You, I mean, they have Don- Donovan Mitchell's a terrific player, but defensively, they built this team solely around Rudy Gobert. They tried to juice their offense by getting, you know, if we talked about it a bunch of times, they tried to juice their offense by getting as many good offensive players as they could, knowing they had the best defensive player certainly in the regular season in the league and one of the best we've ever seen to make up for all those differences. And on the other end, their offense was, you know, a lot of ball motion and a lot of Rudy setting massive screens to get people open like that, you know, for his great and Donovan Mitchell's a great player, but you fundamentally changed your team by moving on from Rudy, just like they would have if they moved on from Donovan. They were built around those two guys. So you've got a 34 year old first time coach. You've traded Rudy for a ton of picks. It's like, you know, this, they're going in a very different direction, and there's still more room to go on that path, and they're at a big fork in the road. They have to, we have to see which way they decide to go. I don't think they have, like, a true small forward on the roster, which seems like kind of a problem in the modern no, I mean, it's why the Royce anyway. O'Neal trade was noteworthy the other day. It was another move. Like, that's not a move you make if you're, you know, unless you're really ra- radically reshaping this thing in the coming months. They got a lot of work well, to do have- to be a competitive team. As Wendy and many others have noted, God bless Wendy. <laughs> Royce O'Neal is very good friends with Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell has been linked to the Knicks for years and years and years. Well, there's another team that plays in New York City who is on the verge of potentially making some rather large trades. Sure. And yes, Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons. Remember when they competed for Rookie of the Year and Donovan Mitchell was so mad that Ben Simmons got Rookie of the Year? He wore the T-shirt. Uh-huh. Like, what did the T-shirt say? It was like, I'm a real rookie. It was like something about being a real rookie or something like that. And they also cannot um, play on the same team now, just for listeners who aren't aware because of the designated player rule. So That's what I was, that's what I was getting to. They can't be on the same team. Um, but there, there are ways around that, including Brooklyn just trading Ben Simmons. And the Nets are not in the business of, of selling low. And trading Ben Simmons now, it, he'll, his trade value can only get lower if if he comes back and passes to Matisse Thibel again or does the equivalent <laughs> and is afraid to get fouled. Like, his trade value is super low. Uh-huh. And, yet I, and yet I would argue that their approach to this, their approach to Ben Simmons, this is going to be unfair to Ben Simmons, and I'm already regretting saying it. I've I, Like, people are like, well, you can't have Russ and Ben Simmons on the same team. So you, this, this Irving-Russ deal is a problem. I'm like, who cares? Just get the draft picks. Who cares if Russ is on your team for a year? Yeah, that, almost, that trade isn't about getting Russell Westbrook. That trade's about getting yeah, poten- that potential Wade trade. Is, that's right. Or just have him, sit, or have him do what John Wall did and sit at home so you can trade the pick, the, the expiring contract for something else. You're no longer a basketball team right now. You're just a, a, an organization in flux that's trying to get right. Um, I almost feel the same way about Ben Simmons. If he's the obstacle to me getting a top 25 NBA player, I'm like, I don't, am I selling low? I don't really, I don't really care. Like, I just like, if I'm getting down to the Mitchell, I just don't care. Right. Like, I just need to reset my organization. I don't, I don't care. Anyway, there are, I, I have no idea what's going to happen in the Durant <clears> trade. I, there, the complexities are incredible, but there are pathways to, to that being a thing. Mm-hmm. I just, I do think Utah would prefer to wait 
and try to play this out a little bit longer, but you don't always get what you want. No, it's true. I mean, that's that's the only thing I could say about Utah is that very clearly they are not done. And it's, you know, because this is an incomplete team. They're sort of in the same situation in a lot of ways as the Nets, right? Like, they made this Rudy trade. Danny Ainge got a remarkable haul back. And now let's see what they do next. Because this is not, like you said, they have two, they have at least two spots. You'll get the starting lineup. You're not even sure who will be in it. So if they're, you know, if they are going to retool it, they've got to start retooling it now. I'll tell you who's really rooting against them going all the way in the tank. The Spurs, the Thunder, the Rockets. So I think the Rockets are exciting and they may outclass those teams a little bit this year. I think the Rockets are going to lose a lot of games again. Oh, let me just be excited. I'm excited the about Piston- the Rockets too. I just think they're going to lose a lot of games again. That's all. The Pist, the Pistons, um, who have uh, some tremendous young players, but will lose a lot of games. All in the sweepstakes for Scoot and Wembyana. Um, Indiana's in those sweepstakes. There's a lot of teams. In, There's a lot of teams. The- Orlando. There's a lot of teams in the Victor sweepstakes. Orlando's going. Orlando's going to win more games this year. They have to. Um, uh, None of those teams want another team jostling with them <laughs> for the top three positions there's, in in that. There's going to be a lot of disappointed teams next year, in when we get to lottery night, because there's to your point six, seven, eight, nine teams that are positioned to be really bad. And speaking of which, I, I had a whole discussion with Krasinski about why these teams are getting why teams are seem more aggressive throwing away first round picks out into the future, and we talked about some of the reasons for that. I should have mentioned then. I think the lottery odds are playing a role too. I, I think teams are like, these are no longer golden tickets necessarily to the guy in the lottery the way that they used to be yeah. when we had a 25% chance of getting a first-round pick. This year, I think, was kind of a reminder that they might not be golden tickets, but they're still pretty damn good tickets. Like The odds are still in favor of the worst teams by a substantial margin, but it's not it's not the same. Um any more thoughts on Mitchell, Gobert, et cetera? Can we go on to the Brogdon trade? No, I, I think we covered it. I mean, like I said, to me, I'm very excited to see what Minnesota looks like. They're maybe the team I'm most interested to see play next season um, just because of how unique that roster is now. And, um, yeah, like TBD in Utah. Like, if they go into the season with this roster or something very close to this roster, I'll be surprised. There's got to be some moves one way or the other going forward here. Uh, let's talk about Malcolm Brogdon to Boston. The which defending makes Eastern that, Conference champion Boston Celtics, Zach. Yeah, you know, it makes me think that um, they're they're less likely to get involved in the Durant thing directly than they were before because they traded another pick, although it, it's very smartly just a 2023 pick that converts immediately to a second-round They still round have access to every it, other pick. I mean, they got a lot of they, stuff they, they can they, trade. They got a lot of stuff they can trade. Uh, but they are absolutely loaded. And one of the reasons why I didn't find this trade all that interesting to discuss, because I just think it's a home run for Boston. And you can tell me about, you know, Brogdon's got $67 million guaranteed and he's always hurt. He plays 48 to 50 games a year most years. That's cool. Fine. Like, I don't really care. Boston is, <laughs> is well positioned to absorb an injury like that. Um, and if all he does is play the Peyton Pritchard, Grant Williams, Derek White losing faith in his jump shot minutes in the playoffs. They're a, a better team with more championship equity, more options for small ball lineups than they had with Horford at the five or Rob at the five. 
in the finals, more playmaking. Uh, and I think he's the perfect kind of playmaker for them. He can run a pick and roll. Sure. His days of being like, I'm the guy. I can run 70 pick and rolls with Domas in this game. That's over. You might get 15. You can attack a closeout really well. Mm-hmm. He's got some other skills that we can talk about that fit this team. And I just think this is a this is a home run, not even a gamble for Boston. I I think, you know, I heard some podcast I was listening to, I don't remember who, about penciling in, penning in the Bucks as the favorites in the East every season that that big three is there. I'm not, maybe. I mean, they probably win that series if Middleton is healthy because Boston was so up and down. I think Boston was exhausted by the end of the playoffs. That's why they, one of the reasons they look so bad against the Warriors. I think this team is absolutely loaded. I don't know if I'd pick them over Milwaukee, but I think it's neck and neck at worst for Boston. Yeah, so I, I think there's a lot of stuff to get into here. One thing I I was going to respond to that I just remembered is I'm with you on the Lakers. Like People generally get on me for killing the Lakers because there's been a lot of things to kill them for. But this offseason, they've gone out and signed a bunch of young guys and guys with athleticism, which is – a change from what they did last summer. I think it could help them out. Uh, now to switch to their forever rivals in Boston. Um, I, I'm with you. I think there is a little bit of risk in this trade for Boston. There could be a little bit of internal chemistry stuff to deal with. Marcus Smart has been very vocal about the fact that this team does not need a point guard, that he is the point guard, that he waited a long time to be the point guard, and look how they did last year. I think all those things he said have been justified. Um Marcus Smart, my understanding is, is clearly going to be the starter this year again. Malcolm Brogdon is going to come off the bench, as you laid out. And so they may have to mollify a little bit of stuff there. Malcolm has not come off the bench in a while. They could have to deal with that, too. And as you said, he has tended to want to have the ball in his hands a lot. On this team, that's not going to be the case. So that, That's cool. That's cool. You're on a good team now. All right. So this is what your role is going to be. I, I, it's, you're, you're a hybrid guard now. Like, welcome to the team. You don't want to be that, then, then fine. We don't even need to freaking play. You. Well, I yeah, I think that's that's all stuff that you know. Those are conversations they're going to have to have. And I, I look, Ime Odoka has proven he is not afraid to have conversations like that with guys. So I, I I'm confident they'll make it work. It's sort of a similar situation with Danilo Gallinari, who they'll eventually have on the roster, um, and is sort of in a similar boat. He'll play when they need to play him, and sometimes he might not, and they might have to manage that a little bit, but. To your point, when the season ended, Brad Stevens said the Celtics needed two things, and I agreed with him on both of them. They needed playmaking, and they needed offensive depth off the bench. And they kept their top eight players together from last year's championship, you know, finals run, and they added Malcolm Brogdon, who averaged 19-5 last year and is a career 37% three-point shooter, and Danilo Gallinari, who even though he's older now and can't move all the time, great. He's still a lights-out shooter and a guy who can get you a bucket pretty much any time coming off the bench. And so he's going to be matchup dependent in the playoffs. The deeper they get into the playoffs, the more likely it is he's just not going to be able to play right. because of his defense. Which I agree with and is why you know I would have maybe preferred if I was them to get a guy like T.J. Warren and take a swing on him uh, if I had the choice. But Gallo does provide some stuff for them that they don't have. And the Celtics also have enough good defensive players around him that they can, I think, absorb having a guy like him on the court better than just about any other team. So I get why they went in that direction. But look, those top 10 guys are really, really good. And they also signed Sam Hauser to a three-year deal. Are they agreed to it? They're three-year? high on him. They're very high, they're on, high on Sam on Hauser. He's a guy nobody's really heard of. He's a six-eight shooter. You know, they're hoping he can sort of develop into the next Duncan Robinson type guy, not to typecast him, but they're 
They think he's got a shot to be a really good player for them. So there's 11 guys that they feel confident they can play. And they're at that point without sacrificing any of their top eight guys from last year's team. And it was only really at the cost of a protected first round pick that if they're somehow not in the top 12 this year or outside the top 12 in the draft, I mean, which it will be very, very hard to do basically will go away. So, yeah, I mean, look, Milwaukee to me was the best team in the league last season. Chris Middleton doesn't get hurt. I think they win the title. I thought that all year. Um, But that doesn't change what Boston did. doesn't diminish the run they had. And they have now addressed a couple of their biggest weaknesses. And I think they go into next season at minimum as co-favorites with the Bucs now, um, which I did not think on July 1st. And now, as I look going forward, I think the Celtics have a very good shot to have the best record in the NBA next season because they are young. I think they're going to come into the season with their identity. They know how to play. I think they're going to come in pedal to the metal and playing really well. And they've got a chance to easily be back in the finals next season, I think. It's a very good couple days for them. Yeah, the the only thing I would say about pedal to the metal, and I agree with you, they're going to be a wins machine in the regular season, is that part of the value of Brogdon and Gallo is that they can ease the minutes on basically everyone. Like I think they need to now, having made the finals, they now need to play to make the finals, which means Brown and Tatum don't need to play all these minutes. They're going to play a ton of minutes, obviously, but give them a a back-to-back off, whatever. Uh, Horford's getting older. We need to make sure, you know, that he can duplicate what he did coming off a year of not playing basically for the Thunder. Yes. Rob Williams has been banged up. Like all of these guys now have built in rest when the Celtics are at full health. And Brogdon, it's not just this, like he can attack closeouts. He can run an occasional pick and roll. He's an elite catch and shoot three point shooter. I don't really want to see him taking too many off the dribble threes anymore. Like that's just not, you're good at that. Fine. You're like other guys on the team are better. To your point, his skill set's exactly what they Exactly what they need. And and I also think, just one real thing real quick, to the point about pedal to the metal, I didn't mean they were going to come in playing guys 38 minutes a game. I just think when you look at this team, they spent the first half of last season trying to figure out who they were. Right. And now they know. And so they have all this depth. They can move guys in and out, but they're going to play the same way every night. And they're very, very comfortable in who they are. And I think they're just – they're going to hit the ground running to start the year. And I think there's going to be no need to – ease into the regular season for them. They're, they are going to give guys days off. They are going to be able to work guys in and out. But I, I, I'd i be very surprised if these guys aren't one of the two or three best teams in the league next season, barring catastrophic injury in the regular season. I just think they're going to churn out a ton of wins. A couple other small things I like about Brogdon for them. When the going got tough in the playoffs, the Celtics played matchup ball where they would have smart screen for Tatum or vice versa and try to get Tatum or even Brown matched up against the weakest link, the smallest guy, whoever. Mm-hmm. Brogdon is very experienced playing that role of screener, having done so with Giannis for a long time in Milwaukee and very artfully and is a much better shooting threat, pick and pop threat as a screener than Marcus Smart is. I think that's going to be a powerful tool for them. And defensively, like if he's healthy and he's had some knee and foot and stuff issues, um, I think he's arguably more switchable than Derek White. That's not me saying he's better defensively than Derek White, but he's bigger and stronger. And I look back, and again, this is three years ago now, I was really impressed with his defense on Kawhi in the Raptors-Bucks mm-hmm. 
conference finals in 2019. He he can defend up a position pretty well, and I just think they're going to be just a brutally tough defensive team. <laughs> it's just yep. up and down the he's, roster. He's I another big. Awesome. He's another big physical player that fits right in the style they play. Right there, they have size at every position. The only guy who doesn't have size for his position really is Peyton Pritchard, who is another like solid defensive player. Like he he's not a he's not a huge tough, liability. Um, yeah, I mean they're they're loaded. I mean they they really are loaded across the board. They feel good about who they are. They know who they are. Um, and again, like these moves have addressed their weaknesses from last year. Now the only other thing I will point out is they did spend the first half of last season trying to work around the situation with Dennis Schroeder being on their team and having the ball more than he should, running more pick and rolls than he should, and they had to sort of work around that until Dennis got traded. That's really when Dennis's minutes got cut in mid mid January. That is really when Boston started to take off. And again, that's one of those chemistry fit things that I'm curious to see how Emi Odoka navigates it because Malcolm Brogdon is much better than Dennis Schroeder, but you still want him to be in a lesser role than he's used to. So I do want to see how they navigate that, but assuming they make it through that okay, he is a much better shooter, much better defender, much better passer than Schroeder. I think he's a much better fit all the way across the board, and like I keep saying, I just the Celtics should be awesome next season. They should be really, really he's, good. He's much harder to trade than Dennis Schroeder <laughs> also true. because of his salary. Also true. But on the flip side, Ime Odoka is a stone-cold killer as a coach, and I would just I would just go to Malcolm Brown and be like, dude, you're unhappy. We just made the finals. You make twenty two million dollars a year. Why don't you start enjoying life as the seventh best or eighth best player on our team, okay? Because that's what you're here to do. Well, and here's the other thing, and- Zach. Here's the other thing. Like, we've talked about the trade the Celtics made for Malcolm Brogdon, right? None of their core rotation players won, you know, let's say a mediocre it's probably a mediocre or worse first round pick, right? That if you're Malcolm Brogdon, you've got to look at that and say, "Yeah, like I don't have the value that around the league that maybe I thought I did going into the draft." Like, remember, going into the draft, there was talk about Washington trading the 10th pick for him, the Knicks trading the 11th pick for him. Like, you know, I'm not saying that was stuff that was actually on the table, but like there was a lot of chatter about teams are going to try to acquire Malcolm Brogdon to be their starting point guard. Instead, the Celtics got him for spare parts and a protected pick. Like. That should be a sign that, all right, like, I need to step in here and play a role and show people what I can do, if nothing else. Like, that should be, to me, if I'm looking at that and I'm him, that's a that's a bit of a reality check for me as to where I am in the league right now. All right, Timmy, go out there and enjoy life. I got a barbecue in about three hours. Okay, I'm going to charge up my phone. I'm gonna, well, I, it's not my barbecue. I'm going to charge up my phone. I'm going to be the rude antisocial guy for part of the barbecue, <laughs> taking phone calls. But I'm going to dare a beer, I think. I'm wow. going to dare a beer. Big moment we'll, for Zach Lowe to have a beer on, on a, we'll, in the middle we'll, of trade talks. That's when the trade's going to happen. Well, I, I, you know, now you got me second-guessing <laughs> it already. Now you got me second-guessing. All right, Tim, I got, this is bad. I got to go. Tim Bontemps, <laughs> thank you, sir. Anytime, Zach. Thanks for having me. Happy holidays.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.